Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We here at House Call Community wanted to do something a little extra special as we were winding down Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We sat down with two different women and we're rolling out three conversations. At the beginning of the week, you heard from Mrs. Kimberly Carter Sullivan, who so elegantly told her story and how she's a survivor. Today, we're gonna start our two-part conversation with radio personality from Huntsville, Alabama, midday host at We Up 103 FM and 1700 AM, Miss Micah Logan, or ML6, as some may know her. I will admit, I was a little nervous sitting down with a radio personality. But Micah so graciously and elegantly took the reins of the conversation, and she told her story with such grace and power. Micah connected mind, body, spirit in her story and told how all of those connected dots make a whole person. She has given some challenges to some people. I'm, I'm included in that camp. So I want us to sit down. Let's have this conversation. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. I'm very privileged to be able to sit down with a phenomenal woman that is a um, that actually is a mover and a shaker, Miss Micah Logan. She is the midday radio personality on Huntsville, Alabama's WEUP 103 FM and 1700 AM, home for hip hop and R&B. Micah, welcome to House Call Community. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, it's my honor. It's my privilege to have you sit down with us. Um, the reason we're really sitting down having this conversation is just last May in 2013, you had to have a very unexpected conversation with your physician because you were told you had a very serious medical diagnosis. Can you tell us what that diagnosis was? Um, they called and they told me that I had stage two breast cancer and basal carcinoma, and that it was growing at a fast rate, and mm. that they needed to take care of it immediately. I was shocked. I was devastated. I was depressed. I was full of fear. I was confused because um, breast cancer does not run in my family. Okay. I was healthy. Um, I, I was living a very healthy life. It was mm. just really weird. It was something unheard of, and it was something that I thought this doesn't happen to women that are 31. This is crazy. Where did this come from? How long has this tumor been growing inside me? Um, it was just a really scary phone call. I remember when she told me, I just, 
I heard it, and I just kind of shut out and shut down. Hmm. The next thing I heard her say was, I just need you to be at my doctor's office at 3 o'clock. And um, it was fast paced from there. (laughs) Wow. Well, what led to them actually getting a tissue diagnosis of breast cancer? Can you take us back to that? Well, it was crazy because um, prior to all of this, I was kind of like the woman with the issue of blood. That. Mm. I kept having problems with my pill and my period. Like, I would not, it was crazy. I was always on my cycle. I was like, what is going on? So I was already going to the doctor to kind of see what was going on with that. So they were switching out my birth control, and I finally found one that was, like, good. You mm. know, it was three days, it was chewable, it was great. Um, oh, wow. And it was right around the time that I was supposed to have my annual. I'm very, very, very big on my annuals. So, all of this was happening, so I went in to get my annual, and as I'm laying down, you know, they're doing the regular checkup, and the doctor says, hmm, I'm like, hmm, so she went to my left breast, and she said, okay, and she went back to my right, and she said, hmm, and I said, hmm, Hmm. (laughs) and she went out, and she came back, and they did, you know, my tap and everything, and then she was like, you know, I'm going to set you up for a mammogram, and I was like, when, in the next couple of years, and she was like, no, tomorrow. Oh, wow. That's odd. Still not really thinking about what was happening um, to the point where I left the address to where I was supposed to get the mammogram at the doctor's office. Like, I really wasn't, it wasn't connecting for me because I'm like, surely there's nothing. Um, And then when I went that next day, they took pictures. And then, like, I thought I was good. And she's like, no, we need to take some more. I'm okay. And then she said, I need you to come back next week for a biopsy. And I'm like, okay, these are words that I've never really heard before, um, especially in my relation to me. Like, what are you talking about? Right. So I hit up one of my friends in New York, my friend Angela, and I was like, hey, you know, have you ever? And she was just kind of like, oh, girl, you'll be fine. And I was like, okay. So I really didn't think much of it. Went in for the biopsy. You know, they did an ultrasound. They did an ultrasound on me. And it seemed like it took an hour. And I'm like, what are they looking for? Like, I was like, this is either good or bad, and it's taking an hour for them to find out whatever it is they're looking for. When she did the biopsy, you know, it, it hurt a little bit. They numbed me. I went home and had the ice and this and the third, still not thinking anything of it. They did the biopsy on the Thursday, and she called me on a Monday. I was at work. I was on air. Oh, my like, goodness. Tennessee Valley was crazy, like, because I answered the phone, and she was like, can you talk? I was like, yeah, because, again, I was not thinking Oh wow. Huh? Yeah, I said, oh, wow, you were on the air? I was on the air. Yeah, I was on the air. And I was, you know, I was right before I was about to do a break. And she was like, can you talk? I was like, yeah. And so she tells me, you know, we, the, the two spots that we tested, you know, one came back to nine, but the other one was cancerous. And I just, I literally broke down. And the crazy part about it is I told her to hold on because I tried to do a break. Oh. I tried to get back on air and do a break. And I was like, I, yeah, I, I can't do this. Um, I got off the phone with her. And the first thing I did was call my pastor, and uh, Pastor Eddie was really just, you know, of course he did his whole pastoral thing, and he was really trying to get me to calm down. He didn't understand what was going on. I kind of told him prior to about the biopsy and stuff, so he had already been praying, so it was just kind of like, whoa. Hmm. Um, and then I had to figure out, when I got off the phone with him, he was like, you need to call your family. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to tell them. Because in February, my family's business in Detroit was burned down due to a domestic violence dispute between some nurses and the building with them. And so I family had already been going through a lot. And that morning, my mother called me, 
and she has finally gone through the rubble of this business that she built for 20 plus years. And all she found was a picture of me and a page in her book. Oh my goodness. So that morning was already rough for her. Here I am having to call her back that afternoon to tell her that her firstborn has breast cancer. I was just like, how am I going to do this? Oh. Um, I went in and I told my boss, and his mother had just recently passed away. And so he knew as soon as he saw me, and he was like, pack up your stuff and go home. Um, It was just really a lot. He gave me a week off, but I I have no lies to tell you. I took like a day Um, because for me, being off a week meant that I had to like sit around and really think about all the stuff that was happening. Mm -hmm, And I mm -hmm. just wanted something. If I felt like I had four or five hours out of my day, I could be distracted then I was going to take those days. I took one day off work, and I was right back at work. Because it just wasn't, this isn't real. Like, yeah. I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm like, this isn't, I'm good. Yeah. What is happening? This is crazy. And then they're telling me that I have to start chemotherapy June 6th. Okay, it's May 20th. I have to. Whoa. I have only like a couple of weeks, and before y'all about to, you know, you see chemotherapy on TV, you see it in other people, and you're just like, it's scary. Like, what is this about to do for me? And, of course, people were flooding me with information and mm-hmm. telling me, you know, different women were telling me what they did. And blah, 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 blah. One woman was like, just cut off your breath. Oh, my hey, gosh. What? Okay, Are okay. you serious? I'm 31 years old. I'm not doing that. Like, you'll find somebody to love you. Okay, I'm not worried about somebody loving me. I'm trying to live. Like, yeah. this is crazy. So I was just dealing with all of that to the point where I decided to tell my mom, I don't want anyone else calling me. I don't want anybody else telling me anything. Hmm. I'm going to have to figure this out my way. Wow. Um, it was just to hear from anybody because I felt like everybody was, and they were all older women. And mm. I was like, there's nothing that you can tell me as an older woman that I wanted to hear. Like, that was you all's experience. Oh, it was really, really hard for me. And it wasn't until um, the last, it was my aunt, aunt Janet, Janet Zanderwer. She called me, and she basically mm-hmm. told me to get over myself. And she said, <laughs> get out of this slump, and I need you to live. Wow. And I was like, what? And she was like, I need you to live. You're going to be fine. And that was a Saturday huh. night. I'll never forget it. And after we got off the phone, I woke up. I got off the phone. I got up off the bed because I was just in the bed just sulking. Like, this is crazy. I looked in the mirror, and I was like, you're going to live. Not soon after that, a friend of mine on Instagram tagged me with a young lady in Florida who's around the same age as I was who had gone through the same thing. And then she and I exchanged emails and phone numbers, and she was basically telling me the same thing, how I was feeling like it's difficult when you hear this and then you're hearing all these stories from older women. It's easier when you hear it from someone around your age. Mm. You're going to be fine. So she encouraged me to like really live my life like you're young you're not old you're gonna be fine and it was just like that extra boost that I needed now I still hadn't come out and told a lot of people I just told close friends close family I was still going to work every day it wasn't until my last it was my first treatment the end of my first treatment about to start my second and my hair started falling out Mm. I was sitting at work again and I put my hands through my hair and I looked at my hand, and I had hair in my hands, and I was like, oh, shoot, already? I'm thinking it's not going to happen this fast. My hair was already short, shaved on one side, one on the other. But I was like, I'm good. Huh. 
absolutely was not good. And, of course, I broke down in tears. Mm. I called my dad. Well, first I called my mom. She was a real help. <laughs> and then I called my dad. <laughs> okay. My dad was like, you need to take control of it yourself. Don't watch it fall out. Mm. To go to the barbershop on Friday. And I was like, huh? Wow. Like, go to the barbershop on Friday. He's like, rock the body. You'll be fine. So I got off the phone with him, and again, I called my pastor, and I was like, are you at the church? I go to the church and tell him what happens, and I show him. I'm pulling hair out at his in his office, and he's like, whoa, six, really? And um, he was like, that just means the chemo is working. I said, is that what it means? Yes. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, of course, he prayed with me, and that was on a Tuesday, and by Friday... I was at the barbershop, and a close friend of mine, he met me at the barbershop, and I was crying outside the barbershop because I felt like, well, once I do this, this is means that it's real. Yeah. And um, I was sitting there, and, of course, a lot of the men, they were trying to figure out, like, why do you cut your hair off, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, because um, I had breast cancer. And one of the guys was like, aren't you the girl from the radio station? And I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, my goodness. Do you know how much you can help other women with what you're going through? And I'm looking at him like, dude, I'm trying to help myself. Like, I'm really not trying to be out here like that. Like, I'm just trying to get through it. But he just started talking about, you can do this, you can do this, blah, 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 blah. Like, come on. Like, you have such a, you have such a platform. I mean, he was so. He was excited. He just came from out of nowhere. And I was just like, I really need you to calm down. This is really scary for me. Yeah, but he yeah. was not calmed down. He was just so serious about it. So after he cut my hair, he, he followed me to my car, and he was like, really, I'm like, seriously, he's like, you have an amazing platform. He's like, don't keep this to yourself. Mm. Don't keep it to yourself. So I was like, okay. Hmm. So I left. I went home, had an event. And because I already had my hair short, people thought when I posted the picture on Facebook, people automatically assumed that I was just doing something crazy with my hair. Mm. Um, I found out later how people were like, that was like they were talking about me. They didn't know. They're like, oh, my gosh, she's just really gone too far. Like, seriously, was the color not enough? Like, she had to go bald. Like, why she do that? Like, wow. And from that, it made me think, like, you never can judge someone off of what you see because you never know what they're going through. Huh. That is so true. That so, is so um, true. After I did that, you know, people, it didn't register to people. People just thought that I just did it. Um, still hadn't really told anybody. I just rocked it. Um, it wasn't until I wanted to get through half of my treatment before I came out. And I really wanted to pray about it. Mm-hmm. But then I was put in another situation where I had to go talk to, talk to a group of young ladies. And when they saw me, they were like, oh, my goodness, what happened to your hair? And it just so happened that I had to talk to them about self-esteem. And I was like, well, um, here's the situation. And that was my first time speaking publicly to these groups of young ladies about what was going on to me. And it was just like, God was just saying, like, you got to do it. You got to do it. So I went to my boss and I was like, you know, I think I'm going to tell the Tennessee Valley what's going on with me. And he said, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. He said, are you sure you're ready for what's going to come with it? I was like, yeah, I'm good. He was like, all right, whenever you're ready, it's on you. So two of my coworkers, they um, were in the studio with me. And I got on air. I prepped it. I got on Facebook. I said, I have a big announcement. I did it on Twitter, everything. Tennessee Valley at 11. It was like 1140. I was like, this is what we're doing. And I got on air, and I told the Tennessee Valley that I had stage 2 breast cancer. And I cried on air. 
and I was just straight up with them. Mm. The way my phone blew up in the studio, the way my inbox blew up from women telling me that they were at the doctor and they're waiting for their results or they felt something or they've been scared to go and they didn't know or they didn't have the courage. It was just crazy. Mm. Like, what? Um, and from that point on, I have been speaking freely and open about them, just very open about everything that is going on. I told them everything. Like, if I was at work, I would say, guys, I don't feel good today, but I'm here. I went to work every single day, with the exception of the day that I had chemotherapy, um, which is odd. You don't really hear that. No. Um, <laughs> I would be at home at night. My bones would be hurting because I was the cocktail I was on. Family on three of the strongest all at the same time. And then I would have to go in the next day and take a shot of my white blood cells. Now, this shot made my bones tense up. And at night, it would feel like I had three heavyweight boxers beating up on me. And there would be nothing anyone could do for me. All I would have to do, all I could do, was fall on my face and cry out to God. And those moments is when I really, 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 really felt God and I had to trust and depend on God because he was all I had. Mm. Um, the pain was just so unbearable. Um, they would tell me to take Zyrtex, take Zyrtex, take Zyrtex. I'm popping Zyrtex pills like Tic Tacs, not helping. It wasn't until I literally was on my face at night crying out to God. I thought, please, 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 please. And sometimes I would wake up still on my face, and I would get up, and I would get ready, and I would go to work. And I would sometimes have to do it that same pain all over again the next night, not telling anybody that part of it. Because I didn't want anyone to feel like they had to stay with me and be with me at night. Mm -hmm. That wasn't what the Spirit of the Lord was telling me. I think that God really needed that time with me. I think he really needed me to see him and trust him and really put my faith in him. To let me know, like, I got you. I got you. It may hurt right now, but I got you. And he spoke that to me throughout my entire process. Um, after the 18 weeks of chemo, um, I had my lumpectomy. They weren't sure at first if I was going to have to have a lumpectomy or a lumpectomy, but they were like, after it shrunk halfway through. Um, and I was so grateful. I was on apple cider vinegar. I was taking the greens and more. Of course, I changed my diet. Mm -hmm. um, but I had people praying for me, like, from here to Cali. Mm. People I didn't even know, getting up at 5, 6 in the morning, praying over my life, sending me scriptures. I would get text messages all the time, just random numbers with scriptures, and they would be so on time. With Like, I would be feeling really down, and then I'd get a scripture, and I'd be like, all right, bet, we can do this. Um, so I, was, I got the one back to me in October. It was on a Tuesday. Um, by Friday, I was up. And I had a school tour to do because it was breast cancer awareness and five schools needed me to come and speak. Whoa. And I went to speak to each and every one of those schools. At the last school, the pep rally here at Lehigh School, um, I called like, hey, I'm ready for my results from my surgery. And they're like, oh, we're just about to call you. You're good. What? So that's when I found out that the pep rally, I was able to announce to the kids that I was cancer free and the way they rejoiced. And that gym was so overwhelming. All I had to do was cry. Uh, but it wasn't over because I still had to do radiation. So okay. I was thinking, radiation is good. Like, that's going to be a breeze. Hmm. 
Yeah, radiation was harder to me than chemo was and than surgery was because it was going to the doctor every single day for 37 days straight. Um, and I went by myself, and I was tired. I was over it. I got tired of seeing the people. I got tired of getting my blood taken. I just was tired. By this time, I had kept my eyebrows through everything, but the last round of chemo took my eyebrows out. I looked in the mirror one day, and I just was like, I'm so not cute. This is crazy. Like, I look like a cancer patient. And I just felt horrible. Even though they had told me I was cancer-free, I'm looking at myself like, no, no, no. I look like a cancer patient. Um, I was really down depressed. I was kind of mean to people. Mm. I didn't want to talk to too many people because it was just messing with me mentally. I'm such mm. a thinker. Mm. Sometimes I overthink. Mm. Um, uh, I can be a worrier at times. Um, I like to be in control. Okay. When you get something like this, you have no control yeah. of anything. And that was bothering me. The human side of me, that was really, really messing with me. Like... And they didn't wear makeup, so I was just like, what am I going to do? I had to figure it out because I'm a public figure. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is looking to me. They're looking at me. I'm walking around. I didn't choose to wear a wig. I never wore a wig through our entire process. Wow. I walked this bald head like it was nobody's business. Like, I got this. <laughs> so there were some days I just didn't feel like it. I didn't want anybody to see me, and especially when I lost my eyebrows. I was like, I don't want anyone to look at me at all. But I just not out of it because that day I had something to do. I had an event to help. I had to get it together. Um, but it was rough. But I tell you, on January 20th, 2014, when I finished my last radiation treatment, the way I ran out of that CCI and into my car and cried mm. for two minutes, I was just so thankful to God that I made it through. Wow. So thankful that I made it through. And here I'm thinking that, that, that it's over. But did I know? There's this little thing called tamoxifen. Mm. 